welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Anya Crittenton, a writer at Gay Star News, and this week I am joined by my two fabulous co-hosts. I'm Hui Chen Bui, a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in the D.C. area. And I'm Will B. Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. So we are recording this episode on September 17th, which means we are in the full swing of the beginning of fall television. It's also the day of the Emmys. It I just remember is that. the day of the Emmys. We are not doing an Emmys episode. Completely <laughs> forgot. <laughs> Oops. But what a good uh, coincidence because Emmys are all about TV and we're doing an episode about fall television and our most anticipated TV shows of the season. This is our third fall TV preview episode. It In is. fact, our first ever episode of the Millennial Falcon podcast was fall TV preview. It was indeed. A great memory. So all three of us will be listing our top three anticipated shows of the season. They will be either returning or new television shows. And we'll be talking about why we are anticipating them. And uh, what's up with some of the less than mediocre shows this this year? So we'll be discussing... Less, less than mediocre? Less than sh- mediocre. <laughs> yes, I was trying to be diplomatic. But... <laughs> We will discuss that this episode. So, uh, Willoughby, why don't you start us off with your top three? All right. Um, Because this fall season looks terrible, I'm only doing returning shows that I know are tried and true. Um, The first one I've got is Stranger Things, the hit breakout Netflix series from last August. Um, The second one I've got is Riverdale, the... uh, Twin Peaks meets Gossip Girl CW uh, teenage soap opera. Uh, And then my last one is Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the Fox police comedy, which is now entering its fifth season. Wow. Yeah. So why these three shows for you, Willoughby? So I love Stranger Things, and I am excited for it to return. It's... They're... They're... They set the show in Halloween of 1984, and so... It's premiering in in late October, so it's going to be like peak fall. Like fall is my favorite season, so it's like it's going to be like the aesthetic of like creepy crawlies and all that kind of good stuff. And um, the characters are great. David Harbour as Hopper is one of my, is probably my favorite character on the show. The kids are just great, and we've seen them like uh, you know off on and off screen be like just like cool. At, award shows and you know they're they're like the new generation of like harry potter kids you know and uh i'm excited to see them do more in the show uh more like you know mid-80s geek references and stuff like that that's always fun um and then uh my second uh pick is riverdale uh i am really that actually surprised me a little bit i i'm really taken with it I really liked the first season. I thought it did a really good job of being, like, the right level of, like, melodramatic teenage soap opera stuff, as well as being, like, teenagers solve a murder mystery, and, like, the good old-fashioned days of, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, or other TV shows where, like, the parents are terrible and they can't do their job, and it's up to the kids to do it. And that's kind of, like, what Riverdale is doing. And they're doubling down on, like, the division between, like, the north and south side of Riverdale, and there's, like... Uh, Jughead is going to Southside High School, and he's like gonna be like, you know, like a greaser. Like he's gonna be one of the serpents. It's gonna be the funny thing about like 
the South Side High being the economically impoverished one. There's no black people in this show, or like there's very there's few. very little. There's yeah. jo- Josie and the Pussycats are probably the only people of color yeah. with ma- major roles. And even at the South Side High, there are mostly white people there. It's definitely 1950s greasers. Oh my and god. It's li- placed in, in 2017. Did uh, both of you guys watch the first full season? Yes. I did. I'm actually rewatching Okay, yeah. Because I, I gave up after a first handful of episodes. Okay, so um, the first four are terrible because of Miss Grundy, as well as like some plot lines that don't make sense. But after, like once they get past the Hot for Teacher plot arc, it gets better. I mostly just want to watch the show if I can have Kevin just look into the camera like he's on the office every time someone speaks. He is a major. He he he's a regular. He's listed as a regular for season two. I really like Kevin. He was mm-hmm. kind he's, of one of my favorite characters when I was watching. And I the, like the, the writing, the writing gets better as the season progresses. Like it was very too almost too self referential. Yes. And once once it gets past that, which is around episode five or six, it gets a lot better. Um, Maybe I'll have like, to go back and give it a try. And like it goes, it goes from being like these are the characters to like these are the characters in this kind of fucked up murder mystery. Um, And so I'm excited for more of that, you know? Uh, Yeah, Uh, my one qualm is that Archie isn't a real redhead, but I've said that that about that in the past. I have my reservations, but I'm still going to continue to watch. Or a true American. Riverdale is a show that you should watch with a glass of wine in hand, which I recommend you doing, Anya. It is definitely a show that... To watch with a friend while you get drunk and just laugh at all the inanities of the series and like yeah. how overwritten and overwrought it is. You, you, yeah, it's not going to win any Emmys, but it's fine. It's fun. It's fun and it's fine. It's fun and fine. It's kind of trashy. All right, it's yeah. fun and fine. <laughs> yep. Uh, so Brooklyn Nine Nine. S- s- Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, it's it's the show that replaced Parks and Rec in my heart for broadcast television uh, in terms of like fun like workplace comedies um i think it's one of the only ones that does it well in this day and age that is currently on the air um and uh i i the last season left on a bit of a cliffhanger so yeah yeah. and it's excited to see where these characters go and uh, you know i think it's it's all about it's all about like the the nine nine family brooklyn nine nine has become increasingly dramatic recently and serialized too in a good way yeah they're doing stories yeah really done it well They've, they've been that way but like the past three seasons especially have been very like narratively powerful and driven yes. and stuff. With, like, so, kind of which remind, I enjoy. It kind of reminds mm-hmm. me of like season four Parks and Rec where they started doing like uh, like an arc, like mm-hmm. a like a season arc. Um, and and then I mean like Dan Gore was a producer and writer on that show. So and he's he's a um, showrunner for uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. So it has a lot of DNA with Parks and Rec and The Office. Um, and Mike Sure. And and Mike Sure, yeah. Of course. Um, Resident but I think, I don't sitcom think he, Bay. I don't think he, He's the showrunner, if I'm mistaken. I believe it's Dan Gore. Yeah. Um, and so it's just got like all that. It's just like the same DNA as Parks and Rec, and, and Andy Samberg's hilarious. The whole cast is hilarious. Um, I have a question and, though, since it's Emmy Day, when is Andre Brower gonna win his Emmy? Uh, he deserved. He it. should have deserved it in the first season. Like and every season every I season. watch him. Holt is like he is hysterical without He's being amazing. like a caricature or anything. No, he definitely. Like, it was a genius piece of casting to cast Andre Brower, who was 
until then known as this sort of dramatic uh, straight man. And now he's just, he's so funny. He's such good comedic timing. And I wonder, Derek. I wonder if it'll be like an Amy Poehler thing where like, he'll never win or he'll win the globe or something. But like, yeah. just like Amy Poehler, like he deserves an Emmy and like oh, some yeah. recognition. That's, because the, he's that's great. the thing. It's, just, it's one of the funniest shows on television. And it also never punches down mm-hmm. and it never does like, Stereotypes, or they subvert stereotypes, and they, you know, they have a diverse cast, and it's great. Agreed. Brooklyn Nine Nine is the show that we deserve, and that the rest of the show should aspire to. Like, if you're missing out on like a show like Parks and Rec, or I mean, that's the closest one. But like, if you're looking for a new show and you haven't watched Brooklyn Nine Nine, highly recommend it. It's going into season five, which is crazy. Yeah, it's great. All right, HT, that means it's your turn. Speaking of Mike Schur, my first choice is The Good Place. I was hoping Ooh. you would say that. That's my number one uh, like that's returning right. He's show. He's running The Good Place. Yes, and I'm so excited for it to return, especially after the game-changing twist uh, reveal that we had at the end of the first last episode of season one. And I'm so happy that it's on Netflix now, and pl- tons of people are discovering the joy that is the good place and how well written and how funny it is i think they probably missed it because it was during uh, the spring premiere right of people don't pick up new and shows it seemed kind of trite and gimmicky i think i think that was like not my reaction my reaction was just like how can they maintain this premise for uh more than one season yeah but they did and they do and i'm so excited to see yep. where they take season two that was my main concern with the show is like this should be a movie or a miniseries mm-hmm. but then when when they kept going and you know there was a literal serialization of a plot unfolding and i was like oh this can be done yeah i can't wait to see what they do with it and ht this is more for you and me but like there are a lot of like DNA elements that really remind me of Pushing Daisies. Definitely. And I've been missing that show a lot lately for some reason. Like, for some reason that show has just been kind of, like, cropping back up in my life. And I'm glad we have something a little more, like, quirky and just committed to a really fun, colorful premise. And I'm happy we have something like The Good Place since Pushing Daisies. Also, is... It's fun to see Kristen Bell on TV again. I know. I really love her. Yeah. I think she's, be- I think she she's best Ted suited Danson in TV. Ted Danson are so great. Yeah. She, Ted Danson is so funny. And so is Kristen Bell, of course. I forget I forget his actor's name, but the guy who plays Cheaty, I love him. I mean, the whole cast is... I was surprised at how much I fell in love with just, like, the whole ensemble. Agreed. And all of them, so... And we had a brief appearance by Adam Scott. Yeah. Who Hopefully I'm, he comes back. I'm hoping comes back, yeah, but he has his own television show now. Correct, and we could talk about that later. Yes, we'll talk about that later. Um, so at risk of overlapping, I won't mention some of the ones that will be mentioned that I also am looking forward to, oh, which is Stranger, Stranger Things. Don't say sorry. We all look forward to the same shows. Yeah. So that's also Stranger Things for me um, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But my other ones are uh, exclusively CW shows. Ooh. They're delivering. Uh, so the next one is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is one of the funniest and smartest and most biting shows on TV. And it's just a great musical. And the songs are just so satirical and so smart. So I'm looking forward and to it. And with the way that the last season ended... Yes, definitely. Like, we're in for a wild ride. Yeah. Have you seen the posters for it? Hell yeah, Yes, I have. they're so good. And for those of you who haven't, and if you have followed the show, what they've done is they've taken um, 
what's, what's, what's her character's name? Rebecca. 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 And she, they've placed her in iconic, uh, uh, quote-unquote prestige drama uh, advertising of, like, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, and there was one more that I couldn't remember. Uh, oh, Basic, in- Basic, Basic Instinct. They had her recreate the, like, famous, like, Don Draper, like, putting his arm on the couch poster of Mad Men. Uh, the iconic image of Walter White in his on his like throne of meth and money. Um, they and they've had her replace. Uh, oh, uh, her what's her what's her name? The actress who in Basic Instinct. Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone. In in like the poster from that movie. Um, so it's like fun because it's like. Things are going to get dark. <laughs> yeah, things are going to get dark because Crazy Ex-Girlfriend has always had that sort of underpinning of darkness and kind of touching on Rebecca's mental illness and her problems. Uh, but it's kind of, uh, it changed the game in the last episode and we're not really sure where it will go from now. It'll kind of be like a, a women's scorned type of storyline, it seems. And I'm excited. I'm pumped. Yeah. So that's my next one. And my third one is... Jane the Virgin. Yes. Which I'm so excited to watch live now because I've been catching up on it on Netflix for the past couple of months. And when it comes back, well, I'm not caught up yet, but when it comes back, I will hopefully be caught up and be able to watch it live and just be on a ride with all the twists and turns and just dramatic plot reveals. It's so exciting. I'm so excited to, like, have, like, the twist at the end and have, like, a week to, like, ruminate on them mm-hmm. and, like, freak out on Twitter and, like, text you and, like, I'm gonna be, like, messaging you, like, crazy and we're gonna be, like, theorizing and everything because mm-hmm. it's the purest show and I love it. It is. Jane the Virgin is really a healing show and I think I mentioned this before but it reminds me a lot of just, like, K-dramas and how they just completely go all in for those dramatic, uh, bombastic elements and I love it. It's just, it's a very genuine show. So. Yeah, that's why I like that, like, since it is based on a telenovela, like, that I like that it's willing to, like, play with the telenovela tropes and, like, kind of go balls to the walls. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was a really big Ugly Betty fan when Ugly Betty was airing, and that was also based on a telenovela. And I feel like there are a lot of, like, again, similar DNA elements between the two. And, like, it's, like, warm-heartedness, but also it's, like, twists and turns. Yeah. And it's really fun. And while it, like, it pokes fun at the genre sometimes, it's never um, that subversive of it. It's always very loving towards the genre from which it was inspired. So I love I love Jane the Virgin. Yeah. So excited for it to come back and to be caught up with it. So those are my three. Anya, please tell us your picks. All right, so... I'm really glad that you guys made your picks because I tried to um, challenge myself and do only new shows because, like Willie mentioned, the upcoming season is kind of a mess. Um, So I challenged myself to pick three new shows, but I did have some returning shows on here and you guys mentioned all of them. So thank you. Yay. I got those shout outs already out of the way. So I have three new shows that I am potentially excited for. Um, like first, this isn't even like you're enthusiastic about it. You're like, they're probably going to be okay. I mean, there are a couple that I'm actually really excited for oh, okay. um, that I've heard good things about, but it was kind of hard to pick and choose. Um, so there are a few superhero shows starting this fall. We have some that we can just write off entirely, like The Inhumans. 
because it oh. looks terrible. I, I, mean, I kind of want to tune into the first epi- episode to just see how see bad how it bad. is. I'm not going to pay for the IMAX theater, no, um, which is already out of. No. But I'm, no. Gonna, I'm probably going to tune in just out of morbid curiosity, just yeah. to see exactly how much of a train wreck yeah. it is. Yeah. And then there's The Gifted, which I've heard pretty good things about, and I might check out. We'll see. But the one I'm really excited for is the upcoming Hulu series, Marvel's Runaways. Yay! Because I really like the comics. It's based on a Marvel comic. Um, and I'm really excited to see a superhero show about, like, teenagers. And, you know, it'll be like the Riverdale of superheroes, I guess. Um, so Runaways is a comic, it's a Marvel comic, uh, that was created by Brian K. Vaughn and Adrian Alfona. And it debuted in 2003. Three, I believe, and basically it's about a group of teenagers who discover that their parents are part of this, like, evil crime ring known as the Pride. As it happens, mm-hmm. you know. Of course. You know, as as you do. And so the kids learn that they are also, they also have, like, superpowers inherited from their parents, but they basically band together to try and stop their parents. So, like, they're little baby superheroes who are like, we're not gonna take having villainous parents lying down. Like, we're gonna do something about it. It's like if the Muppet Babies fought back. (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm really excited about this show because I think the comic is really fun. You know, it's it's diverse and the characters are really interesting and compelling and I like all the friendships and it has a found family trope, which is one of my absolute favorite tropes in all of fiction. Um, I, like, obsess about it. So, I'm really excited for The Runaways and I think... I hope it's going to be good. I've heard good things about the pilot. I've heard they packed a lot of information in, but it has the potential to become a really great series as it keeps going. And it's being showrun by, I think, one of the showrunners from Chuck and one of the showrunners who I I think he was also a showrunner on uh, Gossip Girl and another showrunner from Gossip Girl, too. Yeah, it's Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage who are like a duo and they did Gossip Girl together. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm excited for this yay. one. I hope it's good. It starts in November, so it's kind of like late fall, but I'm pumped. Nice. And as, right. as Hulu, I think Hulu they do the once a week thing, so you won't probably you probably won't be able to binge it right away. Which is good. I actually am. I actually prefer the week to week personally. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, yeah. So that one. My next one is a upcoming limited series that has been earning a lot of good reviews uh, from critics who have seen episodes from it, and that is called Liar. Never heard of it. Yeah, so it's an upcoming limited series. I think it's probably only like six or eight episodes. Um, So think like Big Little Lies, The Night Of. And it stars one of my, an actor I'm very fond of, but who can never catch a break in Hollywood, and that is the Welsh actor Yoan Griffith. Oh, Fantastic Four! Yeah, yeah. Um, he's had numerous shows here that have gone nowhere. They've um, all kind of flopped. Yeah. Although his, I think he's best known for um, uh, his role as Horatio Hornblower. Hornblower. Yeah. Um, also, 102 Dalmatians, do not forget. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yes, he is the star of the live-action 102 Dalmatians. Oh, man, he really got overshadowed by Glenn Close in that. <laughs> Wait, he doesn't play the main dude. Like, from the first movie. No, Anita and Roger are not in 102 Dalmatians. It's a different story. Oh. But oh. Cruella DeVille is in that. it. Cruella DeVille's in it. She's oh. the only, like, overlap between the two films. Are they a different set of 102 Dalmatians than the first movie? 
Yeah, well, there aren't 102 Dalmatians in the sequel. There's um, there's one to make it 102, but I'm going to get into my 101 Dalmatian knowledge now, but he basically, like, run, like, he takes care of, like, all these animals that are, like, abandoned, and, like, so there are, like, there are numerous dogs, and there's, like, also a bird, and, like, he has different types of animals, but there is a Dalmatian, and... Oh, okay. Anyway. <laughs> sorry. It confused me. Yo and like, Griffith, minute, like, tangent. But I am fond of him, and he never catches a break, so I've been hearing great things about this new limited series he's in. Um, so the premise is basically, uh, he's the co-lead, and uh, I forget the actress's name, but another co-lead. They basically have a date. Goes really well. Everything's going great. Next thing she knows, she blacks out and wakes up the next morning, and she assumes that she's been raped she accuses him he denies it and it turns into this case of like he said she said which on first hearing the synopsis I wasn't really sure because I wasn't sure how much I wanted to go down this path or if it would be done well but all the reviews I've read have said they handle it with a lot of nuance and a lot of respect and it's really compelling and they just wanted to keep watching and see what happened so I'm actually potentially really excited for this, and I've been really into the limited series lately, so I am excited for gonna, Liar. What's it going to air on? Um, I'm actually not sure. I feel like I've only been reading about it in, like, reviews and things. So, Liar, the, it's a six-part miniseries, and it's going to be on Sundance and ITV. Um. And it, um, oh, it already debuted, apparently. I'm a week behind. <laughs> oh. So I am excited for the show that's already airing that I need to catch up on. <laughs> hey, that's okay. We can talk about things that have aired like a week of stuff. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then my last one um, is a new ABC show that I am potentially excited for. Um, I think it could go a couple different ways, so we'll see. But that is The Mayor. Oh, I've heard Which of is the new sitcom. Um, I'm actually really fond of ABC sitcoms. I really love Speechless. Um, when I tuned into Blackish and Fresh Off the Boat, I really like them as well. I think ABC is doing something really fun with comedy right now, and I think the mayor could add to that. Modern family aside. Modern <laughs> family aside. Um, so the mayor is basically about, um, I think it takes place in California. I forget which city, maybe Northern California. But this young black kid who's a rapper decides to like jokingly run for mayor, and he wins. And so then he has to basically contend with the fact that he won, and he's now mayor. Um, David Diggs from Hamilton is a producer on the show. Oh, cool. Yeah. Is, he, is he in it? I don't know if he's in it, but up. he has written some of the songs for the main character. Like, he wrote some oh, of the raps neat. for it. Um, I've heard it's, you know, I've heard it's a little on the nose in the themes that it kind of tackles, but I've heard it's also really smart and funny, and you can kind of get past the on-the-nose bit because it is relevant and it is, you know fun to watch and entertaining so we'll see where it where it goes but i am potentially that's the one i'm most hesitant about but everything else coming out i'm a little so those are my three cool all right um so let's talk a little bit about why this year in particular has been called by a couple critics and reviewers the worst tv season in recent memory Mm -hmm. For um, new shows. I think... I, I was reading this Vox article about it, and basically, I think it was Todd Vanderwerf at Vox was saying, like, this is the, one of the worst seasons he's read. He's, like, uh, previewed 
in like 20 years of working in the business and uh, I haven't watched a lot of the new shows because they haven't really aired yet but uh, I can just tell off the bat that Young Sheldon is going to be terrible <laughs> and uh, which is the spinoff of The Big Bang Theory in which they take Sheldon Cooper the Bazinga Man himself and uh, do a spinoff prequel show about his time in high school when he was like 10 years old because he's a super genius and so he gets to be in high school before when everyone else does and you know hilarity and also drama ensues um that looks not good and then there's Inhumans there's uh Seth MacFarlane's show Orville I've watched the Orville I've watched the first episode of it and it's got potential it's also basically just a ripoff aesthetically of star trek the next generation to the point where the robot on the show is doing a brent spiner impression well so then is it just galaxy quest no it's not because it's not a parody it's It's not a a drama well it's not a drama either it's 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 unclassifiable because here's the thing fox marketed as like the the goofy comedy parody of Star Trek that we've all been looking forward to, even though Galaxy Quest, we've already had it, and Galaxy Quest is a great movie, but it's not doing Galaxy Quest either, because it's not making fun of Star Trek, and, or it's not even poking fun at, it's not poking fun at it, it's doing, it's doing a straight sci-fi Trek adventure show with irreverent dialogue. Like, one of the jokes literally is, can I still drink soda on the bridge? Yeah, sure, whatever. Is it an hour or a half hour? It's an hour. Oh, I thought it was a half hour. Yeah. No, it's an hour long. It's clearly inspired by Star Trek The Next Generation. Like, to the point where I'm where they're skirting a lot of copyright lines. Yeah, and the fact that it's an hour long means that it's leaning towards being more of a drama than a comedy, too, which yeah. is weird. Yeah, I think, you know, what it comes down to is, like, we've been in peak TV and, you know, we've all been raving about the really great, you know, diverse and you know, um, TV that just goes where you didn't expect it to go, and they've been trying new ideas, and this upcoming season just feels really uninspired in comparison. It just feels kind of mm-hmm. bland. Like, all of the CW's up new shows, except for maybe Black Lightning, I can't, like, there's Life Sentence, there's Dynasty... Like, none of these things look good. Which is, which is a, uh, a reboot, reboot. of, the, of yeah. the Dynasty show And none 80s. of them look yeah. good. I have heard, I will say, really good things about HBO's The Deuce with Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things. I've heard, it's the new, the I've new heard show, mixed things. It's the new show by David yeah. Simon. Who did the I've Wire. heard good things, yeah. but... I've heard mixed things. Like, people are like, oh, The Deuce is good, but it's the only saving grace of a really uh, substandard uh, Yeah, TV and that's season, the thing, like, is it just feels... Especially in comparison to the last few years, it just feels like suddenly the well has gone dry, which is we all know is not true because there are so many ideas out there, but it just out of everything they yeah. picked to go forward this fall, nothing is very exciting. We have a new we have a new uh, very like, underwhelming glee show coming out. Um we well do. it's what? called Rise, but it's basically Glee. It's um Josh oh god, who Josh Radner. Plays a teacher at a high school. Oh, yeah, Ted Mosby. your mother. Yeah, Ted Mosby's Josh he, Ratner. Yeah, wow, he plays he, he plays a um a teacher at a high school, like a drama teacher. Um, Ali Cravahalo, Moana is the main character. Oh. oh, it's that show that she was she was talking about during. Yeah, the yeah, she's the main like high school character, and it's basically about a high school's drama 
class. Um, so instead oh, of like so choir, it's more like I think more like drama, musical theater. But it's called Rise, oh, that's um, and it seems to be just another Glee. I think because of I saw Ted Mo- Josh Reiner play a professor on How I Met Your Mother, but him playing a teacher is one of the most uninspired things. Oh wait, he was also a teacher in his directorial debut. Not uh, debut, but de- uh, second motion picture, Liberal Arts. He was a liberal. Which is not arts a very good movie either. Elizabeth Olsen deserved better. But it seems to be a more like um, sentimental version of Glee. Like it doesn't have the biting humor. That Glee tried to have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely way more. That might make it like better. it's just more earnest. So it's gonna. It seems it wants to be mm-hmm. like a very inspirational, like earnest show. And yeah, and you have a lot of like reboots and things coming back. I will say I've heard good things about Will and Grace. I've been hearing really good yeah, things. Yeah, actually, I the NBC slate. Um, there was that article on Deadline, I think, that came out where the NBC president was approaching all of the showrunners for his uh, famed uh, and successful comedy series like 30 Rock, like Will and Grace, uh, what else? Parks and Rec. I don't even know Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. So he's trying to bring back the glory days of NBC, and a lot of them are turning him down. But it's very obvious that either NBC is running out of ideas or they're just going back to what's tried and familiar. Even Trial and Error looks like a Parks and Rec reboot. I actually heard really good things about Trial and Error. My mom really liked it. I just, but from what I've overheard, it just seems really like, like the humor is that people are just loud. And I'm yeah. like, mm. it doesn't seem very, like, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't think that this would be a marker of the end of the golden age of TV that we're in, uh, the so-called golden age, because there are a lot of good television shows currently in development that are, that sound really promising. A lot of them going to streaming sites like yeah. Amazon, like Hulu. Uh, Ava Duver- I think, is Ava DuVernay working on a new show? I know Barry Jenkins is working on a new series for um, uh, Oh, Amazon, yeah, that's the, um, wait, hold on it. Underground. Yes, that one sounds so good. I'm actually really excited for that series. Yeah, the Underground Railroad one. Yeah, so I'm I'm seeing so much news about all these shows in development that sound really promising and that are by prestigious directors. So there, it means that filmmakers are still like flocking to yeah. television as a means of like a creative outlet, which is good. Which means we're going to get more good television and prestige dramas. But you know, the primetime series are just kind of looking a little bit faded yeah. this year. And I think that just might it, be Yeah, this might just flip, be, like, one of those um, years probably. where they didn't really have much. Other things were still in development, and it was just kind of, like, an off year, mm-hmm. and next year it'll get better. Because, I mean, speaking of, like, you're right, everything yeah. is kind of going to streaming. Um, there was a really interesting article in The Hollywood Reporter of showrunners um, just, like, answering questions. And it was just, like, a list of them just, like, answering great questions and, like, one of them, one of the questions was, like, what do you think of Netflix? And, you know, they're, like, really big competitor, like, changing the game. Like, you know, like, streaming sites are really, you know, some of them are scared of them, but they're also challenging them and making TV better. So I think it's a good thing, ultimately. And shout out to Good Omens coming up on Amazon, which is going to be the yes. best. And Neil Gaiman is the showrunner. Oh, have- have you seen David Tennant and Michael Sheen apparently have had their I hair dyed? I have not. Um, 
in anticipation you of the haven't? role. Oh, it's yeah. Crazy. Oh, I won't spoil it for you because you look very. Wait excited. a minute! I'm gonna go look this up <laughs> right now because like. Okay, are you gonna do that? I want to talk about. CBS All Access for a moment. Mm, right, Star Trek Discovery is coming out on CBS All Access, and all the reviews have been embargoed for that show, which does not bode well. It doesn't bode well. Also, why would they put it on... I don't... I guess their their main... This is their going to be their like flagship show for CBS All Access, but I don't think that's... I don't think they're doing it right. CBS shouldn't have... I, I mean, they're, they're one of the top networks in, in the... Like, pe- white people watch their shows all the time. And, like, you know, they had the largest, like, runs, you know, uh, ratings, like, of all the, all the networks. Why would they put Star Trek, which has been, in, you know, under the, under the CBS, you know, brand for, like, a, a while now? Like 50 why, years. Why wouldn't they not put it on their main, I actually read something interesting. I actually read some theory they, about their why channel. they're putting it on All Access. Um, and a, yeah, well, I mean, because I know they're they're premiering the pilot on yeah, CBS which is proper, what they did with the then, which is what they did with and then um, re- the good the wife. good the good life or good fight the good, the good fight. fight the good fight which is the um, so I know a couple things that like one there's no spot for it like in terms of CBS That's lineup and they're, like, on like their primetime broadcasting there's no spot for like a sci-fi show. Which is why Supergirl didn't do yeah, well, as so they hoped, and why there's that. choose the There's CW. also the fact that, like, they know the people who are going to be watching Star Trek Discovery are the people who are going to be able to, like, figure out, like, streaming and, like, getting a CBS All Access account. And they, like, rely on them to, like, if they're yeah. a Star Trek fan and if they want to watch this, like, they will go do that. Yeah, like, they're going to have a dedicated so, fan base if it's a good I can see why they did it. For it. I just wonder if CBS All Access is... Something that's gonna pan out, yeah. Gonna think, take off. I don't think it's. I don't think it's gonna be worth it. Yeah, well, there's not. A, there's not enough shows on the platform to warrant the subscription cost, which is like the cost of Netflix. And like you were saying, Willoughby, it's very strange network to. It's strange that this network in particular is choosing to branch out to streaming because they do well primarily because of their older white audience. Exactly. And though they're not going to be the audience that are going to go to streaming. And um, it looks like they're it looks like they have a big budget so if they want to get their ratings back or they want to get their money back, they should probably air yes. it with commercials. And also, it would divert. I would. It would very much diversify yeah. the CBS lineup. But oh hell yeah! You know how it, CBS I mean, for, is. for those of you who don't know, it's about uh, a, a black woman as a first officer on a starship, and and then I think the the captain is played by Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, and it's the first series, uh, first Star Trek series that will that will have a character who is not a captain as the lead character. Right. So wait, who's you know, Jason Kirk, Isaacs? Picard. All. The, he plays a captain, okay. but I think a different captain. I think, the, yeah. Yeah, um, and I, I, I was confused by that. And then I know, yeah. I think it's um, Anthony Rapp who's in it, and his character is gay. Oh. So. Yeah, there's a there's a gay couple on Star Trek, um, like, which is a first for this for the shows. Um, Actually, the more we talk about it, the more I realize why yeah. CBS is not airing it on their network. Because yeah. Too diverse. But also, it would be so cool that I don't, I don't know how many people are going to pay for... Like, I, I guess it depends on what CBS is going for. Do they want a large audience or do they want a dedicated audience? Well, a lot of networks are starting to branch out into streaming just because it is so powerful. We're seeing that with Disney taking all their movies and their Marvel films and Star Wars films off of Netflix and creating their own uh, 
exclusive streaming service. Which will have a Which, to be honest, too. that was, like, a long... That was a long time coming. Yeah, no, agreed. But Disney like, has enough content and enough fans that that'll be totally worth yeah. it But it's them. interesting because uh, NBC's CISO uh, backfired. Uh, it went right. under. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they... I think... They, I, don't, I can't remember if it was a... If, if NBC originally bought it or if they created it, but CISO went under. Yeah. So, Yahoo Screen also went under. Yeah, because of community. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they also had a space show that was kind of more in line with, like, the Orville, but more... Uh, it was like a Paul Feig show. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's interesting things with... Yeah, the TV, in, the TV landscape is changing rapidly. Yeah. So maybe that's yeah. why all the primetime fall TV shows this year have just been so lackluster because the networks are trying so much behind the scenes and trying to just like throw everything at the wall to see what works. Um, and a lot of, it's yeah. taking a lot of money in investment, so they just can invest in good shows this year. <laughs> like the yeah. Craig Robinson, Adam Scott show Ghosted, which is like a paranormal comedy looks fun, but I don't know how good it's going to be. Yeah, it could be a hit or miss. Yeah. Um, all right, bringing it back a little bit. Sure. Just checked out the photo. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, you guys. Michael Sheen's hair. I can't. Oh, he's going to be <laughs> such a fun after fail. I'm so excited. David Tennant's going to be so coy and snarky and so crowley. So excited, you guys. Oh, my God. Guys. They did a table read uh, last week. I know. <laughs> so it's happening. It's like a thing. They're going forward. You know, like. I don't think you guys understand, like, how long I've been waiting for, like, a Good Omens adaptation. And the fact that, like, Neil is show running it and writing it and. <sighs> and he did guys. it with the blessing of Terry Pratchett, who passed away. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm so excited, and the cast is great. And Michael Sheen and David Tennant are just so perfectly cast. There's no one they could have cast better. Great actors who who could bounce off each other. Oh my god, it's gonna be so great. They're gonna be so much fun. And that's the great thing about this book is that like the angel and demon do not want the apocalypse, and they fuck everything up, and (laughs) they just want to keep living their lives. And like Crowley is a demon who thinks it's fun to glue like pennies to the sidewalk. He's like, that's the d- demonic activity I can do. He's so petty. I love it. It's so great. Uh, I hope they get okay. the slice I'm of life gonna... elements right as well. Like, I hope yeah. that they also get that tonally correct and not just make it all about two British actors hamming each yeah. other out, which is which will be fun as well. But I'm excited. I mean, I feel like with Neil Gaiman at the helm, we're gonna be we're in for a good ride. Is so it... I'm glad we could. Is it also produced by, uh, what's his face? Um, your guy. Uh, Brian Fuller. Brian Fuller? No, I don't think I he's don't involved think so. in this. He's not involved with it? Yeah. Oh, okay. No. Because I knew no. he, I mean, obviously he's doing American God, so. Yeah. Um, no, but I don't think he's anything to do with Good Omens. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, so I am thoroughly excited now. <laughs> okay, I think that's a good way to wrap up our discussion about fall TV and the TV landscape. Uh, we talk a lot about prestige TV in the golden age, and this is by no means an indicator that this is the end, but uh, just it's a blip in a hopefully still diverse and still uh, quality TV era, so we'll see more to come. And be on the lookout for our movie fall preview coming up in about two weeks. Yes. Yeah. Which we'll talk about movies uh, for, for the fall that are probably going to potentially have Oscar-worthiness to it. Yeah, it's an exciting yep. season. 
Um, so let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. So, Ruby, why don't you start us off? What do you really like this week? Okay, well, I'm going to talk about a TV show because we haven't done that all episode. Just kidding, we have. <laughs> um, I have been catching up on the TV show You're the Worst, and I think I talked about it last year when it was on Hulu um, or when it, when they air, when they put the most recent season on Hulu. And they uh, put last season's season on Hulu, and I caught up with that. And it's one of the most well well filmed shows on television. Like like they're doing things that, or they're doing like cinematography for a television show that shouldn't warrant the type of cinematography that they're doing. It's really like really good, like well shot. Um, also, it's very funny. It's, it deals with um, mental illness really interestingly. Um, and the character, you know, each character has kind of like their own baggage that they're dealing with, um, and. But it's still like funny. It's it's but it's also very dark, and you're kind of. But it's 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 good. I like it. You're the worst. All right, and that's on FX. Yes, it's on FX, and I think the fourth season has just premiered, and I think the first two episodes are available. So. All right. Um, so I'll go next. My really like this week is a book I'm currently reading and will most likely review for Slash Film. Uh, it's called I'll Have What She's Having, uh, How Nora Ephron's yes. Three Iconic Films Save the Romantic Comedy. Ooh. I've been it, wanting to read this. Do you love it? I love it. It's so it's um, written by Aaron Carlson, and it's it takes a deep dive into the history of the making of uh, the films When Harry Met Sally, Sleepless in Seattle, and You've Got Mail. Wow. And our three great films. Those are iconic. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it goes not only into like the behind the scenes uh, goings on, but also all of the uh, actors and writers and producers and directors who made these projects possible. Like and Rob it, Reiner. Yes, Rob Reiner, uh, Nora Ephron, of course, who is the main uh, character of this bi- autobiographical sort of book. And it's it's so well written. Um, it definitely shows a love for the rom coms that I share for the genre. Yay. And it's. It's definitely a must-read if you love rom-coms and just appreciate this, these films. It gives you a, not a new perspective, but it adds layers to your what you know about them, and and it's just it's a fun read. It's fluffy, it's light, and it's just a good uh, good compliment Does to Tom three Hanks great and films. Meg Ryan. Are they interviewed? They're not interviewed, but they basically compile a lot of quotes and um, mm. sort of history of all of these people talks about their relationship as well uh so it's really fun <gasps> yay i really need to check that out yeah i think you'll love it anya <gasps> i'm so glad yay so anya what is your really like for this week so my really like is a newish podcast it's been out for mm, actually several months by now but newish it's a new uh, npr podcast and it is called it's been a minute with sam sanders i listen to that every week it's so great. So for those in the NPR know-how, Sam Sanders used to be part of their politics podcast team during the election, um, and he was like a big fan favorite among NPR listeners. Um, and then he left to do... I've had discussions about the politics <laughs> team and like favorites. Sam is great. He's not my favorite. He went solo. But, huh? 
He went solo, like Beyonce. He did go solo, and he's great, and he rocks it. Uh, Domenico's my favorite of the politics team, but that's another story. <laughs> so Sam has his new podcast out called It's Been a Minute, and it's super great. Willoughby can attest to this. And he has, an, he has two episodes a week, one on Tuesday, one on Friday. And basically the Tuesday episodes are a deep dive into a certain topic or an interview with someone, and they're just really fun. He's a great interviewer. And then his Friday episodes, he has two guests on the podcast, usually other journalists, and they basically just talk about that week's news. And they, like, dissect it, and they share stories that they've written as journalists from the week. And they, like, play games. And it's just a really fun, informative way to kind of, like, hear about the news without it being, like, super dour, super serious. And Sam is a really great host, and I just really love the whole NPR team. NPR has great podcasts, so I'm digging It's Been a Minute with Sam Sanders. Great. All right. I love listening to it. I listen. I, I can't listen to it on Fridays when he puts it up because I don't have Wi-Fi at work, um, but I can uh, get the... Um, the episode and then I listen to it on my Monday commute. Yeah. Do you also feel so happy at the end of every Friday episode, he compiles a, like people send listeners send in the best thing that happened to them all week. And he'll oh, do like, uh, like a minute or two segment of all them. And like, I get really emotional when I, listen. I literally cry on the Metro every right? Monday because of that. It's, it warns you so it's much. Like, it's so, so uplifting and what you know what is needed every week yeah god bless him for doing that yeah sam is a really like great and optimistic host and he's a lot of fun and it's just like it's different than like you know like they talk about politics and they talk about news but it's not i mean the npr politics podcast is great like but but it's different it's very informative where sam's just like having a conversation He's having a conversation, and then he has like little segments. He kind of plays games with hosts, like yeah, who, like like one it where sounds they play very like, personable, where, where they do like who said that, and it's literally like he reads a quote, and then you have to guess like who said it that week. It was like a you know like sometimes it's like a tweet from someone, or it's a quote from someone on a, on a news show. Yeah, and, and the- he has there's a segment called Long Distance where they call someone from the country, just like a regular citizen and they just ask them like what's been going on in their city and like what are they doing for fun this weekend and it's just really fun and easy to listen to and i'm just really digging it so that is our episode for the week if you guys have any thoughts on fall tv or it's been a minute with sam sanders or i'll have what she what she's having the new book about nora efron or you're the worst the fx tv show definitely come chat with us. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. We're also our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com You can listen to us on SoundCloud or you can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play. So please do that. Um, and where can they find you guys? You can find me at htranbui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye.